This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Josh Whittacombe. And I'm Rob Beckett. Welcome to Lockdown Parenting Hell, the show in which Rob and I discuss what it's like to be a parent during lockdown, which I would say can be a little tricky. So, in an effort to make some kind of sense of the current situation... And to make me feel better about my increasingly terrible parenting skills... Each episode we'll be chatting to a famous parent about how well they're coping. Or hopefully not. And we will be hearing from you, the listener, with your tales of lockdown parenting woe. Because, let's be honest, none of us know what we're doing. Hello, and welcome to Lockdown Parenting How with... Josh Widdicombe. Josh Beckett. It's like he thought that was a swear word and he was getting away with it. Roses go arse and all. Arse and all. Um that is Chris uh this is a voice recording our soon to be three year old Felix. And Chris, Ivy and Felix, they live in China. We've got listening Whoa. listeners in China. I've actually been just bowling around Beijing listening to me talk about watermelons. <laughs> what a world. What a world we're in. I'm glad also. Thank you to China for letting us be one of the things on your internet. There's a market that I don't mind a bit of state sponsorship. I know they like getting involved, don't they, a bit, the, the government. if we so are like, sponsored by China. The Chinese government. Like, we could do stuff like, do you know what's great? Only having one kid. Isn't that right, Josh? <laughs> That's the best way. <laughs> yeah, here's from our sponsors, the Chinese government. Uh, how have you been, Rob? Um, I've been good, actually. It's been nice. We've, um, we were a bit anxious about like, school summer holidays mm. and still being able to work and have sort of our own time. So what we've been quite good is, though, we've um, started um, one day a week. I have to myself that I can do whatever I want on my own and Lou has the same. Yeah. And then we build in around that like time nice. for work time for like days out of the kids. We've got a couple of nights away, but like camping and stuff like that. Cause we couldn't nice. go to Spain. So it's been all right. Actually, I was a bit worried at the start. So what, what, what are you doing with your day? Well, I, I've been playing golf normally, but this week I had lots of like little admin things to do. So I had to go to, I've got, a, I've got very bad postures. I had to go to I'd get my chiropractor appointment. Oh, I go to a chiropractor yeah. to straighten me out a bit. So I've got a bit of a, like a chimp neck and head. Yeah. So, but I find it quite relaxing to do that. Yeah. And I just had a quite a chill day, watched a bit of telly and just did nothing. Cause sometimes you don't want to ram too much stuff in. When it's not your day, does the child speak, do your children speak to you and you absolutely blank them? No, basically if they're out for the day, I'll stay in potentially. Right, but yeah. then if they're in, I'll go out yeah. just to have a little break. Cause I think you do, it's good for everyone. 
you know what I mean? And what's what's uh, what's your day like when Lou takes her day? Well, I've booked him in for the cinema today. Oh. Because I'm having them. Once we finish recording this, because we're just doing a little bit in the morning, um, I'm taking them to the cinema to see some absolute guff. So I'll probably have some headphones in <laughs> and listen to a podcast. This one? Yeah, I listen to myself. Just make some notes, you know. The um, awful yeah. thing when your headphones come out and your phone starts broadcasting your own voice. That would be an embarrassing oh, moment. God, yeah, that is awful, isn't it? Imagine that. Yeah, that Rob Beckett, right? Is he salty or not? I don't know, but he was listening to himself <laughs> watching 100% Wolf <laughs> in a cinema. Um, now, today is a very special day for the podcast because it's the return of Ellis James. Not the return, but... The arrival, the arrival. of EJ. So, um, obviously, Izzy Sooty hours on and she talked about their lockdown. If you haven't listened to that episode, it would be worth going back and listening to it now. Yeah, pause this one now, yeah, and then listen to that first, then do this one. Yeah. Uh, but before that, because we, we talked a lot on Friday, we didn't get a chance to do loads of emails. Do you want a couple of more emails, Rob? Oh, yeah, have you got some? Yeah. It's the lockdown parody mailbag. But it's actually emails and there's no bag. This is called Nephew's Tedious Hobby. <laughs> Hi, Rob and Josh. Not a parent, but I do have a nephew. He's about two and a half years old. He's great, and I really enjoy getting to see him and spend time with him. However, he has what might possibly be the most tedious hobby I've ever heard of. Something so dull, it would make train or plane spotters yawn. He is an avid tarpaulin spotter. Whoa. I was first introduced to his interest last time. I visit my brother and his wife's house. I was playing with my nephew in the garden. He asked me if we could go upstairs to the bathroom window and look at the next door neighbour's tarpaulins. <laughs> First, I thought he was joking, but his mum informed me this was a daily activity he likes to go. Goes to the bathroom with either my brother or sister-in-law who opens the bathroom window as wide as possible for him. He's then placed on top of the toilet system so he can gain the most panoramic view of tarpaulins. Wow. He does this for five minutes or so, consistently pointing out the same three tarpaulins in the neighbour's garden and describing each in detail. What? When he last visited my parents' house, he immediately pointed out all the tarpaulins we had in our garden and later asked me to take him into the garden and show him each of them up close. He also oh. asked my permission to touch them, promising he'd be very gentle, as if I was a museum curator granting him <laughs> exclusive access to the Shroud of Turin. <laughs> <laughs> is it normal for really little kids to have hobbies and interests this tedious stroke niche? I've not, I've not heard of a tarpaulin spot. No, I mean, it... can you imagine taking and camping? It loses, it's just everywhere. <laughs> just going up to the tents. Can I look at your ground sheet? <laughs> I've not seen one that shade of green before. If I was a parent, I'd be delighted with that. Oh, I'll be straight down Wicks or Garden Centre or wherever you buy your tarpaulin from. All good tarpaulin centres. Where do you get tarpaulin? I don't know. I've never had to buy a tarpaulin. I'm going to be honest. That doesn't appear. That isn't something that will surprise people about me. No. I've never bought a tarpaulin in my life. What is tarpaulin for? It's just to stop stuff getting wet normally. It's, not, it's, it's like, like you if you've over... got like a bit of building site that needs covering yeah. up overnight. You put a tarpaulin on it. It's a big old word as well for a two and a half year old. Tarpaulin, yeah. I mean, I've, I've I've always been aware that tarpaulin existed, but I've, re I've it's the most I've ever given it. Exactly. That's. Do you know what? That's so true. It's the first time I've actually engaged with it as a concept. I don't think I've ever said it out loud. <laughs> Heavy no. duty waterproof cloth, originally for tarred canvas. Oh, there you go. Tarpaulin, appalling for tar. Wow. Good on it. If he enjoys it, though. Yeah. I, I, I'd encourage children to have as weird a hobbies as possible because I think it's when great. later in life, when people are judging you, 
over liking tarpaulin. Get it done now. No one's judging a two and a half year old except this guy, except your uncle. Exactly. And also, it's good to be a bit different. A bit. We, you know, there's Catherine Ryan. I don't know if she said it on this podcast. Or she said it on another podcast. I think it might have been on Emily Dean's podcast, mm. The Walking the Dog One, which is a really good podcast. Yeah. Just listen to it um, after you've listened to all of ours, obviously. And it's a really good podcast. But she said she used to go home and say, Oh, mum, I want to be normal like all the other girls. And her mum said, Those bitches aren't normal. They're ordinary. <laughs> Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! So, um, Josh, I've got a, um, a salty email about you, but I think you're going to have some salt to fire back at these people because I'm already on your side, okay? Yeah. Spoiler alert. Here it is. Can I just, uh, uh, before we do this, just remind me, I can't remember the person's name, but thank them. They have uh, they have had their email read out before, so we have said their name before. But they said, people that are looking for salty situations that aren't salty, we should describe as salt miners. Oh, yes. Absolute salt miner. Yeah. Uh, so I think we've got a salt miner here. And this is from Beth. I have a story about a time Josh made the population of a whole university extremely salty, and then he back-salted us. Did she go to Harper Adams? Yes, she went to Harper Adams already. Already the fire in his salt salt monster's belly is burning bright, Josh. You, have you got salty beef? with? Uh... Have you ever done that gig, Rob? I don't think I have, no. Oh, my God. Because Russell Howard had a similar situation where he... Um... He uh, was salty about Harper Adams in like a, you know, worst gig ever done oh. questionnaire or something. They celebrate destroying comedians. Oh, um, the, in the Millwall of the universities. No yeah, one likes yeah, it. The Millwall. We don't care. Yeah. So uh, it's a farming college in Shropshire. And uh, yes. I went to do a gig. I was in middle spot. I was doing the middle 10. Yeah. Quite near the start of my career. And they were like, so the, the girl in charge, who was lovely. I don't know if that is Beth. Because the... the the odds are it possibly is because they were very proud to say that they are 98% male, which is never what you want as an audience, is 98% it, 98% male? Yeah. As a 2% livestock. <laughs> Shall I read out what she said and then yeah. you can sort back? Um, yeah, like uni full of farmers and we are quite feral, she said. It's commonplace to see pig's heads in student beds, first year's shitted into the hall's recycling bins and a number of other unspeakable things. Oh, my God. Um, Josh lasted about five minutes on stage and yeah. refused to down a dirty pint. Yeah. He was booed off and he never came back. He slagged off our uni on TV. He said, and I quote, Harper Adams University can fuck themselves. <laughs> <laughs> so, Josh, from Harper to you, stop being a wetty and just drink the piss next time. Well, that's the thing, is that... So the Ents manager, she said... If during your set they start singing a song, bring a pint on stage, you have to down it. Oh, and I was no. like, well, well, no. We were all like, no. And then she was like, yeah, that's probably the right thing to do because they made me down a pint yesterday and it turned out it was full of piss. <gasps> Is that what the entertainment's manager said? She said that like she'd said, and it turned out it was a little bit flat, like oh. like it was the most mundane yeah. thing she'd yeah. ever it said. It had a shot in it with the lager, yes. <laughs> it was... One of it was the worst gig I've ever done by a million miles, and it's so far away. Oh, so I was on with Steve Parry, who you know, Rob, and we drove all the way up. And I, I mean, I'm not speaking out of turn to say neither of us had 
a wonderful time. And then we drove all the way back. It must have been like four hours each way. Yeah. He's quite political as well, Steve. He's very left-wing political. Yeah. And I imagine a uni full of farmers is going to be quite oh. a Tory, Tory central uni, isn't it? <laughs> well, I, I, don't, I don't know whether I'm speaking out of turn about Steve here because he's a, he's a really good comic. But he said to me beforehand, I'm going to do all my political stuff. <laughs> Sod him. <laughs> yeah, good on him as well. Right? <laughs> and then he started. And after two minutes... It wasn't going brilliantly, and I just heard him go. So I'm ginger, and I thought he's given up. <laughs> he's gone to his ginger stuff. <laughs> Defcon four is like me doing me doing teeth. But I, she's done me a disservice there because I lasted. I genuinely lasted six minutes of my ten. It was absolutely the worst gig I've ever done. I've I, I've done those uni gigs before. I did a gig for in Leicester, Freshers Week, and it was basically. Uh, similar to that. They didn't try and get dirty pints, but they were just singing, shouting. It was a free-for-all. Oh. I went on to like, and I wasn't even dying. They just weren't, it was like trying to do a gig to just a, a nightclub. They just weren't engaging. It was awful. And I come off when that, that was one of the worst things I've ever done. And Paul McCaffrey, who's a brilliant, brilliant comedian, one of brilliant the best comedy. in the country. When, the thing is, guys, and, and, he's, and also he's a bit like a mod because he's quite well turned out. Yeah. He's his oasis, dresses really well. He went, if you just go on, I said, I don't lose my call and I just do the set. I've done the set. They haven't won then, have I? I'll just go out, just take it and deal with it, deliver my jokes and leave. He walked on and some bloke went, nice shirt, mate. And then Paul immediately turned and went, what do you fucking say? This <laughs> <laughs> opening line after this lecture about just playing, that black cool drink, playing cool. What do you Play fucking say about my shirt? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so funny. But oh. yeah, that happens. That's what makes you, isn't it, yeah. the comic? But I think that's, you're not, so, that weren't you being salty. That was, no. that was, no. Well, no, that was, a, that was a difficult situation that I dealt with badly. Yes. Um, <laughs> Which is very much about us and parenting. Yeah. If you have uh, any emails or any views on any of these things, get in touch this way. Email us hello at lockdownparenting.co.uk or tweet us at lockdownparents or Instagram lockdown underscore parenting. And you can also send us stuff P.O. Box 76748 London E99DW. Right now it's time for Ellis James. Um, hopefully you've listened to the Izzy episode already. Very funny man, comedian in English and in Welsh. He's all over yeah. the radio, all over the telly. Podcaster. Actor as well. He does a lot, doesn't he, Ellis? And uh, yeah. Miracle Man of Parenting. Here is the story of Ellis James. It's the one you've been waiting for, guys. The hero of parenting. It's the one only Ellis James. Ellis, we finally got you. Hello. <laughs> what an intro. Well, I've never felt so wanted. <laughs> oh, we've been desperate for you, Ellis. Haven't we, Josh? Yeah, I can't believe it. And considering the amount of hours in the day you're awake, it's amazing that you haven't got more, more free time. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I'm not actually compos mentis or with it for very many yeah. hours of the day. So there's about there's about a 30 minute window where I'm quite entertaining. And other yeah. than that, I've just got my head in my hands. <laughs> well, we should explain to uh, the listeners that aren't really aware of what we're if they've not listened to the full back catalogue. But your partner, um, Izzy Sooty. Um, yeah. was was on the show talking about you've got two children. Can you give us a just a, rem- a quick reminder of your setup indoors, Ellis? Uh, Betty, our daughter's five, and Stefan, our son, is one. Yeah. And uh, Betty, good as gold. Um, she wakes up at approximately 8 to 8.30 in the morning. Steph, slightly different story, and it was one of those things where, because Betty was always like this, mm. 
we got into that quite smug habit of telling ourselves before he was born, it's just us. We're just such chilled out parents, you know. <laughs> and if more parents could follow our chilled out lead, this whole sleeplessness thing, it's a bit of a myth, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think it's a I think it's their their fault. And I don't know what we did with her, but it was absolutely nothing to do with us. And we 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 ended up having to do sleep training because we'd broken every single rule in the book. And having chucked an awful lot of money at the problem and done sleep training twice, he wakes up. Stefan. Yeah, he wakes up at four fifty to five o'clock every morning. Um, oh, well, that's actually, got better since we spoke to Izzy. I tell, I tell a lie. In the last two weeks, things have really, really, really changed. He was eighteen months old two weeks ago, and in the last two weeks, something's really clicked, and it's much, much later now. But for the for the duration of lockdown, from his birth to the until about a fortnight ago. It was it was very very early. Yeah, you're the one who's getting up every morning. Out. Yeah, we we ended up in this slightly strange. I don't know if it's strange, but it was um a slightly imbalanced relationship. Bal in the sense that I would do all the mornings, but Izzy would cook the meals, the evening meal, and clean the kitchen as a kind of trade off for for a couple of reasons. Um, I hate doing the kitchen. I'll do any housework apart from the kitchen. I will do it, obviously, but. It's the thing I like doing the least. Mm -hmm. Izzy hurt her back at the start of lockdown. So the one thing she could do from bed, because she was bedridden for the first sort of 10 days or so, was sort out meal plans. And when she was up, she could cook. So obviously I, I had to get up and she couldn't lift him out of the, out of the cot. And so she would, she would, we were quite lucky we got um, Sainsbury's deliveries because we were, ended up on a list. So she could buy the food and plan meals and cook once she was up, but she couldn't lift him. So I was having to do all of that stuff. The third thing which she, which she didn't mention when she was on the podcast is that when she's tired, she does a certain face, right? <laughs> <laughs> which deep down, if you asked me, I think is put on. <laughs> We didn't need to ask you, you just told us. I'd like to add. I, I, I yeah, that, wasn't, that wasn't part of an edit where we've got that no, out. I went for a bike ride at lunchtime and I thought, shall I say about the face? And I thought, oh, sod it. <laughs> Let's get it out there. Let's be honest. You've heard it. Pod Podcasting is the most honest of all the mediums, I think. <laughs> so prior to lockdown, we used, to, we used to swap it. We used to do sort of um, a night on, night off. And whenever it was her turn to do the morning, she in, in so it'd be like 11 a.m. And I'd say, uh, where are my keys? She'd be like, oh, God, turn up. So, <laughs> so, God, so tired. For, for, for 56, which is fine. It's fine. I mean, it's worse for some people. But got to write an email, man. And I'd, and, and I'd go, yeah, it is hard, isn't it? And part of me would think, oh, I have a fucking coffee for crying out loud. <laughs> Come on. Have a cold shower. <laughs> Just splash some water in your face like they do in cowboy films. Come on. <laughs> so then, because of her back went, which was obviously a different issue, so I was having to do the morning. Yeah. In the first few days, I was like... Uh, I hope she's noticed I haven't done the face yet. <laughs> what I what I would say though is that even though she does that face, I think is slightly put on. Uh, it probably isn't, and she's so much more imaginative with the children than I am. So, for instance, 
I don't know, we, we, we might have made it out for our hour's worth of exercise, which mm. was hard enough as it was. And I used to think that that was, that that was the aim of the day. And if you got out, if you got them all out at the same time, then you'd achieved something. So then I would, we, we would come back and it'd be about four o'clock and now you're gearing up towards tea and tea time. And as he would say, oh, I've, I've just got to do um, send a work email. By the way, I promised Betty that we're going to do a treasure hunt. And I'd say, um, <laughs> I'd say, oh, yeah. What's that? Is, it, is that online? And she'd go, she go, no. And I'd say, what do you mean a treasure hunt? <laughs> and she'd say, yes, what are you got to do? You've got to write clues based on, I do it for her all the time. You've got to write these sort of cryptic clues based on her day and things she likes. And then you... Then you leave them around the house and then you've got to come up with a prize. I'd be like, you're fucking drugs. <laughs> treasure hunt? Are you high? I'm not going to do a treasure hunt. What do you mean? From Where am I going to get the clues from? She'd be like, well, you just make them up. Oh, but, oh God, but she was, she is capable of that. And it comes quite easily to her, whereas I, I find that much, much harder. So I do the early mornings and she does the, the imagination side of parenting and then we sort of meet in the middle so then we we got we got into this habit of 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 doing that and what i discovered was the thing with lockdown i mean this would be the same for everyone but but particularly i think for parents of of young children every single day was the same and i mean <laughs> to the minute so 451 <laughs> Talking through your day, Ellis. But you did four, how many days in a row did you do this? this oh, like, like like seventeen weeks or something. Right? So, <laughs> four, four fifty-one. <laughs> Is that working on an oil rig? Is you would nudge me? I know. I know. <laughs> she's a very light sleeper, so she's got your, your plugs in. So 4.51, wow, the nudging, 4.56, I know, 5.02, I know, 5.05, eventually go and get it, right? I would then watch The Last Dance, a documentary about a sport I don't like or understand with my head in my hands. <laughs> and he's just causing havoc, right? And I would, and he, what my son does, are you all right with swearing? Yeah. Okay, well, he would shit himself awake, right? That's his, that's his sort of thing. <laughs> Just now, that seems like a stag do challenge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, 5.25, you know, Michael, they've just won another NBA championship and Michael Jordan's being shown interviews with his teammates on an iPad. I think oh, I should change his nappy. <laughs> so I change his nappy. I wouldn't give him any milk because a sleep trainer had said that will make him think that he should be having milk at 5. 30s you want to hold off from that so i just head in hands and then at about seven o'clock you know we'd, we'd get moving so then my my daughter would wake up and then i oh my god we've we've got two children right so betty obviously was meant to be homeschooled and all of my mates at school we were all two years younger or older than our siblings so that's so and so there's about four years difference between Betty and Steph. And I always used to, I was quite smug about this for a long time. I used to think, oh, you know, she can hold him and you can explain stuff to her and all this kind of thing. What we found difficult was that their needs are so different because she likes drawing and colouring in and telly and Hatchimals. And what he likes doing is throwing stuff down the stairs, then holding his mouth and going, oh, gone. <laughs> or, uh-oh, now they are two very different... <laughs> 
how do you how do you marry those two things, right? So obviously we're we're trying to homeschool her and work, right? So school were brilliant, so they were they they were sending lesson plans and stuff. And the thing I like more than anything is is unopened emails. So that all got added to the unopened emails in my sort of in my inbox. And I mean, you know, proudly raising a member of Generation Thick because the la- the amount of homeschooling we did was. <laughs> Really negligible. Do they send you lesson plans? They used to send lesson plans and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So we we've got this hilarious whiteboard, which Izzy bought from Staples or something on day one, which is like this testament to abandoned plans and hope. <laughs> and it's got this. I look at this day plan schedule and I laugh out loud and it's like 9 a.m., um, you know, reading time, 9.15, conversation time, 9, 9.30, you know, exercise with Joe Wicks. That, 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 that never, ever, 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 ever happened. It very, very, very quickly became television day again. <laughs> <laughs> Pajama day. Yeah. So then you've, we'd have to have lunch at 11.45 because... Any later than that, and he'd fall asleep in his scrambled egg because he's been asleep. He's been awake since four fifty, so no wonder he's completely run out of juice. What was what we were lucky was he would he'd have a good afternoon sleep, and then I would do all of my work because I do radio shows and podcasts usually. Or that was the thing I was able to do during lockdown. Everything else got cancelled or pulled. So then, in in his during his afternoon nap, that's when I'd pre-record the radio show or or do the podcast, and then he'd wake up. And then it would start again. And then we got into this habit of at about six o'clock, I'd say to Izzy, it's the home straight now. It's only an hour and a half and they'll be in bed. And then we realised that the morning was the longest time. So we'd get to lunch and Izzy'd say, it's the home straight now. (laughs) Seven and a half hours, they'll be be asleep. (laughs) Do you, do you, because I haven't reached this age. Have you reached this age, Rob, where I was thinking this earlier, when do your... When does your meal meld with your child's meal? So you're having the same dinner. Yeah, not yeah. I, I, I was talking to a friend of mine whose kids are teenagers, and he was saying, "Well, we never ever gave them children's meals. They had a, a version of what we had." I don't want to be cooking my meal at five p.m. Yeah, exactly. And so, so they they do have different meals, and I don't really. I think that's know. more if you've got more of a schedule there. If you have, if you get in from work at a certain time every day, and I think that yeah. works to families with schedules. But as is so all over the place, it never it never really happens. Either. Yeah, yeah. Be- be- before lockdown, our schedule was all over the place as well. Whereas it's so, because so much of the work went or changed, it's now actually much more settled. Mm. So then. What I what I discovered was I was actually once I was up I was once I'd had a cup of coffee I, I was all right and then I would have this dip at about six fifteen, <laughs> I mean pretty much to the second, which used to which used to match their bath time, so baths should be fun but that was when I was at my most tired and what yeah. I found then was it was too late to have a tea or a coffee because that would keep me awake so obviously I've got to go to bed so early. So I would just, they would just have a really grumpy bath every night. <laughs> what time are you going to bed, Al? I would try and go to bed at around 10. As anyone who knows me, you'll, you'll know this, I, I'm an, an extreme night owl and always had been, even when Betty was little. I, and stand-up used to keep me awake as well. And mm. even when I stopped doing as much stand-up, I still had a stand-up's body clock. But that has now finally been broken by lockdown. So I tend, try to go to bed at about... 10 but we'd, we'd i'd have this dip at about 6 15 and um 
it was too late to have a tea or a coffee. So Betty'd splash me. <laughs> and instead of splashing her back, I'd be like, you what, mate? <laughs> <laughs> What's your problem? What is your problem? So like Groundhog Day, now I f- find this film incredibly poignant because <laughs> every day was exactly the same. And how does it feel now? Well, they, they, they went back to the childminder bet- and Betty went back to school. So where, during his nap, which was when I used to do all of my work, I could fit an enormous amount into that nap. Oh, you must have been so tired. Well, I mean, the really pathetic thing is that we were watching... So then we'd get them to bed at about 8 o'clock, and then we'd have eaten. <laughs> and we were trying to watch normal people. The episodes are less than 30 minutes. We were doing 10 minutes a night with the caveat that I had to be in the mood. (laughs) 10 minutes. (laughs) So what were you doing with your two hours to yourself? Uh, I'd stare a lot. Um, (laughs) And reading, I used to unwind better reading than watching telly for some reason. And also, I didn't want to go on my phone really after about quarter to nine because the screen used to keep me awake. Because being a night owl, what I used to find is even when Betty was very tired, I I mean, even when Betty was waking up very early when she was little, um, I'd get this second wind in the evening, no matter how tired I I am. So I've really got to try and avoid that because if I had two hours sleep at night, as soon as it gets to about eight o'clock, I actually feel all right. Whereas I'll have felt sluggish all day. So I'm really trying to avoid getting that second wind or I'll I'll end up watching a film or something and go to bed too late. How was your first um, day of the childminder and back to school where you had the day to yourself? I felt like I'd won £50 million. <laughs> I've, I've, he, I, I just could not believe it. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. And I, could, I didn't know what to do and I used to get... When I used to get little moments to myself, I used to think, right, what am I going to do then? Am I, am I going to read a book or am I going to, am I going to watch a film or am I going to text a friend or am I going to phone a friend or am I going to watch telly or, or am I going to read about telly so I'll know what to watch? So when I have got time to watch telly, I'll be watching the best telly because I don't want to waste time. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And it just, the whole thing, the whole day just felt so long. It's like when you talk to people of our age, who don't have children, they're weekends, two holidays. I find it mad that, that people have their weekends. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The thought of, like, just sitting and, like, enjoy... I used to enjoy a hangover. Yes, yeah, that, that's, yeah. that's a big thing. I used to kind of thrive on watching the football on a hangover and making waffles and beans for breakfast on a hangover. Do you know what I mean? I and now, find it funny. Yeah. <laughs> that was the thing. If I was a bit useless because I was hungover, I was like, oh, God, sorry, I'm hungover. Whereas now I'm like, great, mate. Great, I'm ruining lives. I've ruined my life. I've ruined my lives. Yeah. I've had four cans. Now she's crying and I'm crying. Great. <laughs> also, as well, it's like you're paranoid the whole time. Like, well, I don't feel bad, but when will I feel bad? When yeah, I, feel, yeah, will yeah. I feel bad when it's at the worst part of the day. It's, it's been, com- they're completely psychological now. Yeah. Oh, you... you're, oh, you're one of those. You're one of those dads. Oh, you're 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 a beer Moretti dad. Yeah, yeah. I... <laughs> Kids are in bed. Eight cans by the side of the sofa. <laughs> <laughs>
Do you think um, Izzy was worried about you coming on this podcast, Ellis? No, I, I don't. I don't think so. She, she, I listened to it, and it's quite funny hearing her talk about me when I'm not in the room. Because for a kickoff, she does an absolutely terrible impression of a Welsh accent, <laughs> <laughs> and she wants ten years to practice it. The thing she mentioned, which I I had forgotten about, I listened to to her one of these quite recently, was I was initially shielding, right? So I wasn't allowed out of the house at all. So I used to sit on the window, on the windowsill, to try and get (laughs) vitamin D like a cat. (laughs) And um, I used to think this was was a, a good aspect of my personality, but I have now revealed this and I don't think that it is anymore. I would say I've got an almost superhuman ability to adopt my situation, in this case, complete lockdown because of coronavirus, and then find it completely impossible to imagine an alternative. (laughs) So I actually wasn't that unhappy. I was like, oh, well, I'm unable to leave the house. (laughs) (laughs) That's my life now. That's my life now. And did you feel jealous of other people who weren't shielding and didn't have a child waking up at half four? if, If I had been a character in the TV show Lost, I would be the bloke who was quite happy to bed down for the night under the shattered wing of a stricken (laughs) aeroplane. Oh, oh well. This is my life now. I I, I live under a wing. I mean, the the problem with that aspect of my personality is that it means you you almost never try to better your set of circumstances. So I'm always like, oh, well. So I, I wasn't particularly unhappy, if I'm if I'm honest. Obviously, I was worried for people who were, you know, who were vulnerable yeah. and that kind of stuff. And also, we don't have a garden, so I, I. But again, in in that whole thing of feeling unable to imagine an alternative for the for my situation, Izzy every day would go, God, I wish we had a garden. And I'd say, why are you complaining about it? It's like we can't do anything about it. It's like me complaining about my height. And she'd say, well, if we can, we could buy another house. And I'd be like, I didn't start this conversation to look at solutions, actually. Right? So, I don't want to talk about solutions now, Now, actually. So that was, um, if we'd had a garden, it would have been so much easier. How's, because um, you're, you're obviously, it's, I'm loath to describe you as a professional Welshman, but you're certainly getting there. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, how does it feel bringing up your children in southeast London? It's weird in the sense that I spoke Welsh at home. I didn't speak English to my parents. If I say I can speak English, this isn't a struggle. <laughs> but um, I went to a Welsh school and I spoke Welsh to my sisters and my mum and dad and my grandparents. So it is it is slightly weird I do find it weird. I like when I, when I go into my daughter's primary school, all the stuff on the on the walls about leaves and frost. It always causes me to do a double take. Doesn't have enough L's in it. And not. Yeah. <laughs> that one looks like I could read it. Hang on. <laughs> too easy. Eh? Way too easy. The, the fact that it's not in Welsh always causes me to go oh, and that is that is the thing I found uh, weirdest. I what think. What about their accents? Well, I mean. I don't know if Izzy, I can't remember if Izzy mentioned this, but my, our childminder is from Peckham and is in her, is in her 50s, right? So she, she sounds like Rob, which means, uh, <laughs> means my daughter sounds like Rob. And that is, that is endlessly entertaining to me. Is there a certain phrase or word that just gets you every time? What her childminder does is her childminder doesn't talk down to them, so she just talks to the children like she would to an adult. But it meant that, because... 
because Betty started speaking very early on, so she was quite slow at walking, but she was very, very verbal. She, so she would speak like a little adult, like a little cockney adult. And she said, she said, go and pick her up. And she'd, she'd drop her pens or something, or pencils. She'd go, oh, I've had a right nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I, remember, I remember looking at the uh, snow and going, that is magical. Look at that. <laughs> Because she's a bit older now, she's, she'll say things like, speaking of which. <laughs> he turned round to me and said... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think that is, I don't know if that's a South East London thing, but I always got spoken to like an adult, even as a kid. They're just, you are uh, treated like an adult. Like, the way yeah, you're, yeah. It's not, you're not really baby, but I don't know if that's a London thing or a class thing or what that is, but, um, but I was it's, always spoken to like that. It's very funny because she's always spoken like an adult and it does it does take some people by surprise because it's it's just funny to hear a, a little kid saying, I, 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 she's never had a fizzy drink, right, so we're going to go on holiday quite soon. I said, do you want them? Um, Doing a can of like lemonade or Coca Cola or something on on your holiday. She went. Oh, I think the responsible thing will be to stick to apple juice, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a recovering alcoholic. She sounds like, she, she sounds like a character has been written by John Sullivan. Yeah. Go on, go on, son. Have a little beer. You've not drunk. Yeah, yeah. Years. Go on. Nah, Daddy. Does she um? Does she speak Welsh? Like, are you talk, do you talk that in the house? I speak Welsh to her, and she understands it all, and she tends to speak English back. I occasionally hear her speak Welsh to my to her brother, which is very very cute. And if she spends time with her cousins because they're living in Cardiff, they go to a Welsh school. You get a bit more out of her. And when she was very little, it was it was fifty fifty. And what was what I found hilarious was the childminder then had to learn some Welsh. <laughs> <laughs> which was which was great. So so she'd say things like, um, "Oh, she was crossing road today." Like Dalva Thaw is um, hold my hand, and she was like, "She would not tell my Thaw. She would not do that." <laughs> and and Mars is out, right? So she used to shout when she was in a buggy when she wanted to come out. She she so so she said, "Oh, Bill, she wanted to, in the park. She'd be shouting, Mars, Mars." <laughs> And it was just it was just funny because obviously, you know, she didn't speak any Welsh before. Um, does she understand that she is easier than her brother, do you think? Yes. Yeah. I don't know if we should have done this as much. Because what happens is it's quite disarming. When you have a little five year old who speaks like an adult, you you occasionally forget that they're five. So she would come down and I'd have my head in my hands in front of the last dance and she'd say oh no what time did he get up and I'd say <laughs> I, I'd say got over 10 to 5 you never ever ever did this and she and she got to she'd go Steph what are you doing getting up so early for <laughs> look at what you're doing to him look at what you're doing to daddy <laughs> And he doesn't say anything, so you just look at him and look at her, and I'd be like, yeah, it's fine, it's not his fault, it's not his fault. He's gone grey! <laughs> look at him, he's going grey! <laughs> oh. oh, It 
it's just disarming when they they speak like cause my, my eldest is like nearly five and she's like that and, and when you're busy doing something and they catch you off guard you will talk to them like another adult well we're going to, yeah. going to like my my auntie's funeral last week and she was she's very she's in her 90s so it's never nice but it was you know it was a, a more of a celebration of her life anyway we i picked the flowers up from the florist i put them in the boot she went daddy who are those flowers for i went oh auntie olive and uh, she went oh well, i went oh it's her funeral she's died and i was like i've just dropped that like, and she was yeah, like, he's yeah, died? Yeah. Where, where? And I was like, oh, God, she's, does she need to know this? <laughs> am I doing the yeah, right thing? Yeah. Have I said the right stuff? How did she take it? So, like, oh, has she? And then, and then I said, like, because sometimes she went, oh, has she? And then because like, if there's like, a dead fly on the floor, she goes, that fly's not moving. Is it dead? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that fly's dead. She went, oh, yeah. I went, yeah. And now I'm like, yeah, stuff dies. You know, it gets older and it dies. And then as I got this, she went, oh, she's dead. Like, like the flies die. And I was like, yeah, and then she ran off and played. <laughs> and I just thought, hopefully yeah. that'll be fine. Or that's probably going to be the first bullet point with a therapist. <laughs> it's quite weird because sometimes they can be so grown up, and especially in situations where they need to be grown up. For something like that, I can imagine saying that you just need to be really grown up and well-behaved, and then them doing it. And then the second they get hungry, they they go crazy or they get really upset at something really really small so it's it's quite an interesting yeah age in, in that respect and then it shocks you back you go, oh yeah you are just a little child yeah yeah when they get stressed about something else but so yeah, going fine. forward alice with um with steph do you think the sleeping thing now now do you think you're on easy street now what time's he getting up now he got up at about quarter past six this morning oh. which i can come fine completely. Yeah. i mean we, I was never expecting another Betty where he was waking up for him to wake up at eight o'clock. Yeah. But I accept she's a, a one-off in that regard. He did do two days on the trot of waking up at seven and then the next morning it was up past five again. I would say on average now it's about six o'clock, which is actually fine. You've got to bed at 11 o'clock. That's seven hours. That's not too bad. So, at all. so both of mine get up around half five, six ish, somewhere between there, right? Unless they're really tired and it'll be a bit later. And, um, but I, it went for a stage when they were both, at one point, both getting up at like four o'clock in the morning. And then once they slept through for some reason to like half seven in the morning. And then I was like, I need to go in and wake up to see if they're okay. Because yeah, it's yeah, no yeah. out of character than to sleep that long. I thought something awful had happened. Yeah, the first time we woke up, at, it was 7.14. Oh. And at and at and at seven thirteen, I was outside his door, thinking, "I need, I mean, I need to go in and check check This is <laughs> mad." And because because he did two on the trot, yeah, I then started going very quickly, reverted to my old ways of going to bed after midnight. And then the first morning, you woke up at five forty-five. Was and is Izzy? When was the last time Izzy did a morning? Have you still got the agreement? Well, what she does, I I I started a a sports podcast with two other comedians but their parents well one's a journalist one's a comedian so we were doing those on Sunday nights and she would do the once her back was better she would do the morning on a Monday because I was it was quite a long record and it was going it, we, it was going on very full late. of Chang <laughs> <laughs> not a Chang beer is that, is that your drinking night <laughs> she, she she thinks it's Chang he threw you under the and Chang it's bus it's because it's because I got given a Chang bottle opener uh, as a leaving gift when I left Radio X. So I think for some reason, Izzy now thinks I'm obsessed with Chang beer and I probably haven't had one for five years. I don't know why she thinks I'm drinking it. I've got to say, after four years' service in which you were kind of, you know, the star names on the radio station, that feels like quite an underwhelming oh, leaving it gift. Was, it was a joke. It was because... Um, they didn't like you and they angry that you left? No, what happened was... We got other stuff, but what happened was we were doing... Um, it's called um, 
a, a sort of a read uh, where you read out an advert. Yeah. And it was a competition and it was sponsored by Chang Beer. And it was a holiday of a lifetime to Phuket. And I'd been told how to pronounce Phuket. And I'd said, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'd been on my, on, I'd been on my phone. And they kept saying, are you, are you going to pronounce that properly? I was like, yeah, 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 of course, of course. So then the track ended and I said, well, we've got some great news sponsored by uh, Chang Beer. We've got a holiday of a lifetime for you all the way to fuck it, right? And our producer went absolutely ballistic. <laughs> I had no idea what I'd done wrong. So I was being told off. And then John said, I don't know why you're telling uh, Ellis off. That's all he was trying to say was that here at Radio X, we love a night out on the Chang, at which point... Chang obviously being uh, another word for cocaine. An emergency stereophonics track was played. We got told off. <laughs> I've never been told off before. That, that's that section of the, it never went on the podcast. It never went on the listen again. It got it got wiped completely. So I got given a Chang bottle opener as a, as a parting gift. So, so you're because you're right. I was going to say primarily famous, but you you know you work heavily with John Robbins, who is not got a child. Do you find you were probably amongst my friends the first person to have a child? Yeah. How do like within the comedians of our generation, how did that feel when you were the first person to have a child? Do you know what? I would say the first year I tried to do it all. So I tried to go out on the piss and drink as much as I had done before and yet still wake up, look after children with a hangover and just pretend that I didn't have a hangover. And I still try to work, and I, I I did a tour or something crazy. I can't even. I think I must have done it. Yeah, 2015, I did a tour, and I I just drove myself and Izzy into the ground because Izzy was working as well. And then after about a year, I thought, this is madness. Why, why why are you doing this? And I think it's because I was I was of our mates because we're you know you and I are roughly the same age, and we speak a lot. And I was the first, and I think because Izzy's a couple of years older than I am. And she was one of the last of her friends. I would say, it's not that I wasn't ready, but I hadn't realised how much of a change it would be. And I think emotionally I found the second child, Steph, far easier to cope with because I didn't have to I didn't have to get used to being a dad. I was already a dad. Yeah, I just had yeah. more children to look after. Your life had already been ruined. <laughs> it changed. So it's just another body, isn't it, really? Yeah. So, so even though he was demonstrably harder to look after... Because sorry, that sounds bad. I hope he doesn't listen to this when he's older. But I mean, he was he was premature. Yeah. Well, he'll have plenty of time to if he's still waking up at five a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, he'll be listening to it when he's got a child with his head in his hands watching a documentary about LeBron James. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was premature, and obviously, his his sleep wasn't something we were used to, and you can't really get used to that. And we hadn't expected it either. And it's so destructive when you wake up every couple of hours, you just can't get used to it. That even though that aspect was harder, I didn't really have to emotionally change my mindset because I was already a parent. Yeah. So I, I think I got a lot of the feelings that you're told you're going to get with your first child with my second, because I think my first one, I was just shocked. <laughs> There's an amazing picture of me holding Betty and she's about an hour old. And I look absolutely terrified. <laughs> Did you have an immediate bond and love and connection with her? Soon? Yeah, but you don't have to. What I, you can be honest as well if you want, Ellis. Yeah, but what what I well, there are two things. What I got was I remember she was born in October, and Izzy got very hot, or she felt very hot in the labour. So 
um, the window of the room was open. And I remember a doctor coming in and saying, um, oh, you need to close this window because it's cold in here. You haven't realised. And also you need to put a vest on the baby. She was like minutes old at this stage. So they're so fragile, or that you think they're so fragile, you hold them like they're a hand grenade with a pin loose. And I was I was trying to put a vest on her, and I couldn't do it, right? Because I, I hadn't put a vest on her. I'd held a baby, but I'd never held a, new, a newborn like that. <laughs> but the midwife going, oh, God, give her here, and I'll do it. I remember thinking, shit, I can't even put a vest yeah, on Yeah, I was the same. Oh, God, I can't put a vest on her. What, what, what else can't I do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Christ. How could I cope with the teenage years? <laughs> I can't put a vest on her. What a, yeah. Oh, God. What if she starts smoking weed and asks me about? Oh God! So what? How did? How long did it take you to get your confidence up? A while, but I, the thing that really chilled me out was I did a gig with a comedian a few months before she was born, and he said I didn't bond with my son for about a year. So if you don't bond with her or him, because we didn't know, don't worry, because it'll come. And no one had ever, ever said that to me before. Mm. That hadn't even occurred to me, because I think I'd always expected that the Hollywood, oh my God, I'm yeah. a fan. Yeah. You gave me, I remember texting you, I just went, I just looked before this on my phone for it, I couldn't find your reply. I went all the way back. On the way back, I found a photo of you with um, that you'd sent me, which was Steph asleep in a sleepy head. Yeah. Um, on March the 15th, 2019, which is what? 15 months ago. Yeah, she's a couple of months old then. Yeah, and the caption is, all in exclamation marks in capitals, got my life back. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't quite turn out to be the case. (laughs) (laughs) Because, yeah. 16 months later and you managed to do it. You really did think the sleepy head was going to be a breakthrough that, that didn't actually come. In the end, yeah. um, with Betty, did you? Because she was such a great uh, sleeper, did you give out sort of overconfident, cocky advice to people? <laughs> and then with the second one, you said, "Actually, we had no idea." Shamefully, I think I probably did. Actually, <laughs> looking back, and if I could watch like video footage of myself giving that advice in 2014, 2015, I would not be able to recognise that person. You know, sometimes when you have, especially if you've had a drink, you when you're having a conversation with someone. You might say something, and within ten seconds, you think, "Who is that guy? Why, why did I say that?" Yeah. Yeah. And, and you think, "You think I, I, I went mad ten seconds ago. I didn't even think those things." Yeah. And I saw what, what the fuck was that? I don't know if you can get this wrong when you, you guys do stuff on telly where sometimes you have like a moment of low confidence or you're not sure about something like that, and then if something flicks on of you on the telly, and you think, "Where's that bloke gone?" Yeah. <laughs> I I didn't drink very much in lockdown. A lot of my mates drank a lot in lockdown. But you can be hungover and you can be tired, but and they're both difficult, but both at the same time oh, is intolerable. Impossible. So I, I barely drank. So what that means now is that when I do go for a drink, once I've had more than three pints, I'm a complete div. And it's really embarrassing. And I, I don't think... I was like that when I was drinking regularly because I think I just get so excited. I say stuff I don't mean. <laughs> I've learned the best way is go for an afternoon drink in a beer garden and then drink from like midday, stop about four or five, and then the next day you're okay. And you have your hangover when you're oh, asleep. For that evening, yeah, that's Rob. True. 
That no, that's evening. a fun little evening. You're a bit merry, a bit excitable, have a bit of dinner, then go to sleep at half 10, 11, and then you're all right for the next day. See, anyway, no, I, fa- I found that I w- it makes me really tired now as well. So if I go for, if I have an afternoon drink, I'm just shattered when I'm trying to give them their tea. It really does rob life of its fun. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I find absolutely amazing is um, my mum, my mum worked and, you know, she had three children rather than two. And the house was always spotless. Yeah. When I go to people's houses and they've got kids and they don't have cleaners, my mum never had a cleaner. It's like watching a magic trick. You, I will never understand how that is achievable. Our house, within about three weeks of lockdown, it was like Pete Doherty and Carl Barrett's house at the height of the liberty. <laughs> the, the Albion room. <laughs> <laughs> Syringes everywhere. Couple <laughs> syringes everywhere. <laughs> when we had our daughter, she must have been out a year, six months, whatever. And you came around to visit with Betty, and Izzy couldn't believe we just didn't have much stuff, like kids' stuff yeah. everywhere. And I was like, yeah, well, obviously, we're just like, we're really like minimalist with our kids' stuff. And it's because a six month old doesn't need stuff. No. And now it is absolute fucking carnage in the kitchen corner there is a corner of stuff that is just building building up and building up and there is no need for any of it yeah (laughs) it only gets worse as well it just gets worse and worse pens without lids yes yes. thrown away yeah yeah and to be to be slightly very depressing about it from a climate change point of view it's all disposable crap Poor quality toys that are made of plastic that get played yeah. with once. And yeah. you just think, this, if this is my house, if this has been repeated all over the world, <laughs> God, we're in big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. What a bleak ending that is. Yeah. Al, um, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. Well, Thanks, thank you for having me. Um, you're a hero to our listeners, apart from, uh, apart from one woman who uh, took me to task over email to say that actually she thought that you had the easier side of the deal. How? Oh, fucking hell. What was she? Uh, Nocturnal? How, out of interest? What does she... She forwarded this email to me. Yeah, let's... let's <laughs> hang on. Yeah, I'm happy with this email. Let's read it. it how was, it was it was just saying that the that, that, that cooking meals and cleaning the kitchen is actually a lot more work than we had given Fuck Izzy credit for. off. <laughs> go down a shop she ordered it from bed <laughs> i mean yeah obviously ellis uh, you know ellis did a lot because he had a bad back but you know come on what, credit with credit a, a genuine a, a genuine question at, at points at 5am because i know you're, you're a very unresentful person what levels of resentment were that were the height you operated at during lockdown towards the situation very low i that was his I, new life the th- yeah, it was just my new life, and that was it. And I, I found it impossible to imagine an alternative. <laughs> I mean, this uh, the, what what this has meant is that for years I had bad relationships, which I did nothing about. Bad friendships. Oh well, he's my friend. There's nothing else to do about it. Yeah, but you and John get on now, don't you? <laughs> but um, Ellis, you are you're a hero in our eyes. Yeah, thanks so much, Al. Lovely to speak to you. It's been my pleasure. That was Ellis James. Um, I'm not going to lie, uh, Rob has... Um, well, we thought we'd recorded this end bit after the interview, but we hadn't done it. This is last night, the night before the episode was planned, and Rob has got a gig of all things. Absolutely unacceptable excuse in the current climate. Uh, so this is just me. Uh, thank you to Ellis. 
Uh, normally, me and Rob re- would react to the episode, but I, it was all there, wasn't it? What a guy. Um, thank you all for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure. We'll be back on Friday uh, with uh, just, uh, you know, more general updates on our terrible, terrible lives. Um, if you want to get in touch, this is how. Email us hello at lockdownparenting.co.uk or tweet us at lockdownparents or Instagram lockdown underscore parenting. And you can also send us stuff P.O. Box 76748 London E99DW. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you later. Bye.